Hello and welcome. This is a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast for Queen's Plate Day, Sunday, August 21st. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital. My heart might be up there in Toronto. Boy, I miss being uh, up at Woodbine, but not going to be able to make it today. Going to be on TV covering for Sky Sports Racing at theracist.com. If you're an international listener, uh, you should be uh, making sure to check me out on Stateside tonight. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I will make my return to Toronto in about a month's time for Woodbine Mile Day. But uh, to talk about this Queen's Plate Day, which will be playing with great interest via simulcast, we bring in our usual expert when it comes to all things Woodbine over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. He's also our business guy. He's Drew Coatney. What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, end, tail end of a bachelor party right now. I am sitting out in a fantastic cottage in the woods set on a ski slope where a ski lift runs in the backyard and uh, a golf course bends right around uh, the other side of the backyard. So kind of two of my favorite things sitting in one spot outside in nature around the fire pit right now. So the setting to look at this card this morning couldn't be better. And I'm really excited to get after it with this great full 13 race card to talk about today. It's it does sound good. Now explain this to me. You said you were you're at a bachelor party. You also told me before you stopped drinking at like eight a.m. last night and got to bed early. What kind of bachelor party is this? I didn't stop drinking at eight a.m. It's seven p.m. Right around dinner time. You know, it's just kind of switch over to water, sit around the fire, and make sure we're ready to go the next morning. So kind of diminishing returns sometimes uh, after uh, after you've had drinks all day. So we're we're healthy. We're clear. We're ready to we're ready to make some picks and make some scores. Other than betting Woodbine, what's on the agenda today for, for your crew? Uh, nothing too much. I think everyone's licking wounds kind of thing. Uh, we had some breakfast, so uh, we got to get out of here at like 10-ish. But, you know, not okay. a big deal. We'll, we'll be ready to rock and roll. <laughs> There's some weather in the area up in Toronto. So just keep that in mind, hoping in this very turf-heavy card that everything can stay on. Um, I did look at it with sort of half a mind for some of the later races we're going to talk about uh, with a little bit of a a synthetic perspective. They get an early start. Race one is 12.25. But what we're going to do, I think, because we both are more interested uh, from a wagering point of view in the latter half of the card, it also gives the pot a little bit more shelf life. We're going to start things off by talking about race number eight, the grade two King Edward stakes, a mile on the turf. Um, some interesting wagers you can participate in here. They're, they're starting, um, they are starting a pick six. It is of the jackpot variety. You know how we all um, typically feel about those. But if it's your thing, you have that, uh, you have that option. And uh, there's also rolling pick threes and, and doubles. And, you know, find where your opinion is and, and get involved is typically the best advice when it comes to this woodbine card. We'll start off with a King Edward. Uh, Drew, I'm going to let you give your thoughts on this one. I think this is a fantastic race to watch the tote because my top choice, the number seven, March to the Arch, is installed at eight to one on the morning line. But I imagine we could see three to one, four to one. I'm seeing some buzz on the horse uh, because of, I think, some of the reasons we're about to talk about. Um, I think there's a lot of speed signed on here, and I think this runner is going to have the absolute setup. Last out had a bit of a horrendous trip at that short distance and. Today, I think, comes back swinging and husband stays aboard. That gives some confidence for us as well. So I think fair value is right around that 7-2 to two, uh, price. So we'll see if we can't get that. But I, I'm also going to be using the number two, Filo de Ariana. Filo de Ariana <laughs> at 2-1. to one. Yeah, That's good. Filo de Ariana. Yeah, um, you got it. 
and, and, and if no one goes, I think this one's the loose leader. So kind of have both angles covered the, the closer in March to the arch. And then the loose speed of the number two, the, that we just talked about. I can't, I can't imagine the town cruise is going to let Filo de Ariana get loose in here, but do you know something I don't? Uh, I, I don't know. I just haven't seen town cruise of old yet. So we'll see what happens breaking far. Yeah, I'm opposed today. I'm going to try to beat Town Cruise, and I think Fila the Ariana could get could sit right off and hopefully set it up for the same horse that you mentioned, the number seven, March to the Arch, who I think is just in really good uh, shape to step up, second off the layoff after trying to close into those blue time form U.S. fractions. This horse has done so well in this race in the last couple of years. I think it was third last year, won it in 2020, and really probably set for a peak effort. And I think you're wise to set your expectations considerably lower than this eight to one of the morning line. That would be bed of the day type stuff for me on March to the Arch. I think you're probably looking at half that and even at that, I'd make my selection. I was going to use with the two, Philo Di Ariana, and also was going to throw in Cheryl Spite, who has similar angle, I think, in a way, with the trying to close into the into a difficult situation last time, and maybe uh, he gets more pace to run at today. That's a really uh, good horse, a grade one winner in a grade two race, something I always like to take a look at. So seven with two, three for me, sounded like you were going to be more focused on uh, on seven, two in this spot to uh, yeah. kick things off. In, in real quick with, yeah, real quick with Cheryl Spite. <clears throat> I'm really against this horse in this spot because Pete, yeah, went, went to Keeneland, Pete, and, and got that grade one, but then tried longer, went dirt, then went one turn. And that type of variability doesn't signal to me this horse is either mentally focused on what the job is at this point now or is trained specifically for going this eight for a long tricky distance, the one turn long grinder style. So I'm not really sold on Cheryl's spite here. I, I need to see that form return. Um, I think we can find excuses in all of those races where this one hasn't been able to get back to the winner circle. But that type of variability, again, I, I, I just don't know what the connections are thinking here. Um, and I, I like I like the spot, but I would have liked to see a couple more runnings at this type of distance. So I'm against Cheryl's spike today. Yeah, I trust Atfield implicitly. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but he's one of the trainers where I just figure um, he's probably doing the right thing. Look, the horse is going to be short. You're probably not wrong to be against. It's more one of those things where Cheryl Spite is a use for me as opposed to a key. And I'm hoping March the Arch is the value. And if this thing comes 3-7, I don't want to be uh, – caught with my uh, pants down, as it were. Let's move on, though, to the next graded stake on the card, the grade two Canadian. Phillies and mares, three-year-olds, and up going one and an eighth on the Woodbine turf and a field of eight going postward. I thought that number three, Crystal Cliffs, was just a bit of a standout in this spot. Um, really good form from this one when you go back through and look at the last couple races and who she's been running against and what they've gone on to do i think she just might be better than this uh than, than this field and Graham motion having success uh from coast to coast we'll see if he can build on it with uh with a big run here at out woodbine I, I just thought it was a very simple one a case of the fastest horse who's going to get a great trip did you have a, a different view i did i did <clears throat> i really like the number six flirting bridge at four to one i think there's a lot of angles to look at here and Last out ran without the Lasix, debuted in North America with the Lasix, so today gets back onto the Lasix. And I think that race at Parks is significant, too, that it was kind of a pretty terrible chip, trip chasing a slow-paced leader and was the widest over around and really just overconfidently handled, in my opinion. And 
Um, I, I think that runner uh, that um, this horse was trying to chase down, Princess Grace, came back and backed it up, uh, almost defeating Delika in the Beverly D. So Pratt gets aboard. I, I trust Pratt to be able to navigate this one around the number six flirting bridge of four to one, a big win play for me. But I'll also be using two backups with Fev Rover. I think came off that long six-month layoff pretty well and just faded near the end, so maybe just needed a bit more stamina. And then the number one, Money for Row, maybe more underneath, but I think can clunk up here and is going to be overlooked in the betting market at what should be a pretty nice value. We should see all of eight to one. So six with a little two-one for me. All right. What did you not like about Crystal Cliffs? I just have never – it's been one of those pet horses I've never liked. I I keep getting beat by this horse, but I, I just – didn't think it this horse fit in this scenario here. I'm pulling up the PPs to to take a look again. Yeah, I think she'll get a nice forward sit, and and she has good closing ability. So I'm 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 loving I'm just loving it situationally for her. But we'll we'll see. I mean, you you certainly make some interesting cases about Flying Bridge, and those Lasix angles can be can be interesting. And yeah, that's that's probably an overconfident ride and, and, and some, some good form coming out of, uh, coming out of the parks race. I'm, I'll take another look at her and think about including at least in some underneath combinations, but I always love when a horse who's going to be among the best closers is also going to be in the top three early. And I think that's exactly what you have with crystal cliffs. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Got, had to crack some eggs somewhere. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think she's going to get bet way below the three to one. So you're from a strictly value point of view, you you might be right. But I mean, I, I, I mean, to me, she's more of a three to two chance than a three to one chance. We'll see what the what they end up giving us later today up in Toronto. Let's talk about the big one, the race that gives the day its name, the Queen's Plate for these three year olds going a mile and a quarter on the synthetic. We talked about it earlier this week with Matt Bernier and described it a little bit like it feels like on paper could end up being a match between the number six Rondor and the number eight Moira. I'm with Moira in this spot. I just was so impressed the last day. I thought the Mazarine as a two-year-old was really, really good and showed the kind of ability she has. So I don't think it was flukish even though it was freakish last time in the Woodbine Oaks, I don't think it was flukish. I think this is uh, this is her level of ability. She shapes like one for whom the mile and a quarter is going to be no trouble at all. Just the fact that she was able to win on debut at a mile and a sixteenth um, in a in a stake, no less. Always been well thought of. I, I think it's Moira's day up at the Queen's Plate, and I know the the Philly against the boys story getting a lot of play up there, which is great. Anything to uh, bring some some positive attention to racing. We always love that and, and maybe make some new fans along the way. I was going to mess around with her. And I thought a runner like hall of dreams, if given a hold up ride um, to come finishing, maybe Moira can just blow up all the speed and a runner like hall of dreams can come running in behind. So the main play will be on number eight Moira, but I'll have a little eight one as well. And I really don't have anything against Rondor. I'll probably have some eight, six, one, some eight, one, six, um, and, and, uh, maybe even flip that a little bit with, with a little rounder on top for a smaller increments. That's going to be my approach to play around with those three numbers, but a strong preference for me for Moira. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I'm going to be using Moira. That, that's for sure. But I'll also be using on top the number four, the Minkster. Um, I, I put here in my write-up, the name even sounds a little bit wise guy-ish, but was progressing nicely until the last race that was a bit of a dud in Rankin. If I'm not mistaken, I heard Jeff Bratt uh, on the earlier preview show say that maybe this horse had a hiccup issue. 
in the last race. Yeah, the thumps. Yeah, there, there was like a heat exhaustion issue. Yeah, so, um, so I think the hiccups is more of an analogy than anything else. But yeah, there were there were a lot of issues that day. He made a made he made a very compelling case that you could ignore the last run, and you'd have to because you know that the this year's Queen's Plate trial just didn't look like it was going to be the key prep. But if you have a reason to just completely ignore the last run, I thought he made a compelling case for the Mangster, and I'm interested that you're on board with him as well. Yeah, and I, I think the outside speeds, which. Uh, you know, I think you start with the pace and kind of work back from there. Uh, I think there's a lot of pace in this race, and we could see some meltdowns here. And so I think the Minster is just going to suck onto that rail and just stalk around and have something a little bit left uh, come running late. So the number four Minster. The other one I'm going to be on is the number nine Huntmaster at 30 to 1. Um, not often do you see Emma Jane uh, Wilson Kittaport at 30 to 1. And I find that really interesting. There might be some signal here that maybe they know something we don't. Maybe it is just a jockey assignment, but I think the workout tab looks good, and this one is looking to get good at the right time, third off the layoff, and again, is running some numbers that are a little lower and does need to step forward big time, but we've seen some crazier things happen, and at 30-1, to I think this horse is going to be off everyone's tickets and will be a quite a differentiator in the paramutual pool. So I'm on the four and the eight with a little bit of the nine just to see if we can't get a score. Yeah. I mean, why not? I'm not going to talk you off at that, um, at that kind of a price. And sometimes when you have the potential for runners like Moira and or Rondor to break the race apart, um, some real chaotic things can happen in there underneath. So I, I, I mean, I don't really see it, but on your say so, I'm tempted to throw in for uh, tempted to throw in my underneath wagering anyway for a penny. It just would cost so little to cover, and you know, that a horse like that runs third, it really could trigger something serious in terms of payoff. And I'm not looking to get too spready there, so I, I'm, I might uh, might just nick that idea, see if we can get a little bit of chaos on our side in the Queen's Plate. That will be the uh, the final stakes race of the day, but there's still three other races to come that we'll go over on this show, starting with race number 11, where we have uh, a six furlong maiden race, maiden claiming optional 40,000, going six furlongs on the turf. Who did you like in here, Drew? I didn't have a strong opinion, but I did land on just one horse, the number four, so Brianna at six to one gets Lasix today. And I like the recent turf work um, showing maybe this one is ready to go. And kind of grasping the straws a little bit beyond that. But um, at six to one, that feels pretty good that there was that recent turf work. Again, kind of the inside baseball there is if they worked on the turf and they're on the turf in the in the afternoon, that's a good sign that they think this uh, this runner is going to take to it well. So number four, so Brianna for me, six to one, pretty good price. If we can stay anything above four to one, uh, might warrant a token win wager to root on. I have little to add. I, I also don't, I don't think it's necessarily as simple as the four. So Brianna, but that was the horse that just stood out to me in this spot, largely based on the work. And then you throw in um, the success of reload with a good number with debut winners, good numbers on the turf just seemed like the right kind of field for a runner like Sobriana to uh, to make some noise. I, I'm going to tilt most of my money, I think into the stakes, be looking at pick threes and doubles connecting all those races um, but when it comes to this race, and I don't mind if, if Sobriana takes a little bit of money here, I w- will probably remain the, my, my, uh, my selection. And, and that might just give, that might mean that that might be the just, just signal. It's one of those funny things where I'm not, 
unless she's just absolutely bet off the boards, I don't see I don't see getting away from that. Uh, I don't see getting away from that opinion particularly. So we'll we'll see what uh, what Fukumoto can do with so Brianna there going out with the uh, Lasix and blinkers and just looking like she catches the right kind of maiden field in race number eleven. Race 12 is an allowance going a mile on the inner turf. You can give us your thought on that, Drew. Or did you have one more thought on uh, on the 11th? No, I'm ready to go to the 12th. All right. Who do you like here? I love Henley's Joy, the number eight here at five to one. I think this hard knocking six year old uh, is due for a win, has, hasn't won in two years. And I think that's going to play nicely for our price we're going to get here. I think the last race was practically a listed stakes race in terms of class. And then two back got caught in that slow pace off a layoff in the trainer change. So third, third off the bench, Kimura jumps aboard. And I think fair value feels like anything over three to one. And I think we're going to get all of that, uh, especially with the lack of wins. And then I'm also going to use as a long shot, the number nine, Mr. Diffley at 20 to one. I think the overall figures fit with this bunch. And if things fall apart up front, this one will be running home late and fast. I think last out they tried no blinkers for the first time, and then they're putting them right back on here today. So class level fits and just needs to find a little bit of past form uh, to get up into the frame, if not win this whole thing. So 20 to one, number nine, Mr. Diffley will be a backup. And my top choice is the eight Henley's joy at five to one. I really like your case on the nine runner who I was looking at, but didn't quite, didn't quite get over the hump to committing to, but I am going to definitely use, and I'm with you on Henley's joy, an old podcast favorite. Isn't this one a horse that JK gave out at the 20 to one? It's a, I'm not sure if that was the last win. It was some, some race up here, obviously now a couple of years ago. Um, but you know, that, that's uh where was it? The, I think it was the Belmont Derby. Actually, it was the Belmont Derby win um, that this was a big, a big podcast tout, but it just, it looks like the right situation with plenty of speed signed on and among the best closers. You, you could argue that the, the horse we spent too much time talking about the last time he ran Arturo Tuscanini could be considered the best closer, but I worry that he'll just be too far back. I think Henley's joy could be in the right, uh, in the right type of position to uh, to take advantage of, of a pace that's coming back and yeah that's where we're, we're both we're both going to go eight nine it sounds like there uh, but with the nine I'll leave that in the in the money plus picks that we send around I'll I won't officially steal your pick I'm just going to list the eight for me but I'll list you as eight nine and folks know that I'll be following you in there let's talk about our nightcap gosh if any race on the card comes off it'd probably be this one um, hopefully it won't though hopefully it'll stay we've got fifteen thousand dollar maiden claimers. Phillies and mares going six and a half on the turf. For those of us playing late picks uh, in this field of 12, how are we going to get paid? I'm going with the number four skip over at eight to one. Um, I, I just love this runner in this spot. It has the inside speed and showed some great improvement off that lackluster debut. And Hernandez gets aboard and, and uh, ran that respectable third at 106 to one odds. So I, I think this runner is going to get overlooked again with the two terrible buyer figures that we have here. And I, I just think that we're we're going to have a, a decent price here on this runner. And I think the pace sets up nicely. The other two that I have here are the number 10, Creemore at 3-1. to one. I think the drop in class coming out of the not-so-good Saratoga effort, I think clearly has an ability to run better. And here comes Emma Jane again, getting back aboard. And I think stalking from the outside and making that one sweeping move is the, is the key for this one here today. Uh, fair value feels like. Five to two, three to one is about right for us. And then the last one is uh, back up the number five. Jimmy is a breeze at four to one. Again, third start of, of the year for this three-year-old that showed some ability on the turf course and gets back 
to that course after the four attempts on the all weather going to the seven panel. So today only gets six and a half and looks to have that nice stalking trip again. So four ten and then a little bit of backup with the five. We're so similar today, not as frequent listeners. No, we usually will. You know, we have the two races we agree and two races we don't agree. And we're much closer, uh, I feel like, in our opinions today. Skip over, definitely a short lister for me, as I think the most interesting of the ones who've run. But this is also a sort of a classic race to take a look at a first-time starter. And I think uh, Fragala is the one who's interesting in that regard by a strong um, debut sire in, in the, the well-named super speedy, 15% with first-time starters. The, in, the industry average is 10%, so that's you know really, really strong mark. I couldn't really find anything in the female family, but it was just one of these cases where you look at the buyer par in this race being a 58, and none of the runs who've won, won have even really sniffed that. So it just feels re- almost reflexively like I want some first-time starters on my ticket. So I, 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 called, uh, I called the one my top pick in this spot. And then, yeah, skip over. I think you already made a pretty good case for. Started off on the turf, did absolutely no running. Nothing was expected that day. Less was expected um, the last start and actually ran a pretty good race. Now getting back onto the originally intended surface against a suspect field, it, it, she just feels a little bit more unexposed, we'll say, than uh, than some of the others here, and, and I think could be ready for a good effort. So I'm going to try to get out one and four, four, ten, and five for Drew. Where's your opinion strongest? Where do you see most of your money uh, running on this, uh, this this sequence that we've talked? Yeah, about? I could see I could see doing a little bit of double of the Canadian Stakes flirting bridge Fevrover into a bit of a weighted double with the Minkster and Moira, and maybe just a dollar on Huntmaster. Um, so those, that's that's a good sequence there. I think you can play a good win bet on March to the Arch if we do get the price we want. Um, and then also Henley's Joy. I think Henley's Joy might be my strongest opinion of the day, but um, I have four plays here today, which is pretty unique. I typically only like to stick with one or two. So uh, we're going to see if we can't whittle that opinion down even more. But I think Henley's Joy is taking the lead here. If we can get anything of three to one or higher, that, that seems like good value to me. I definitely want to get involved with these stakes, and I think doubles are an interesting way to do it, starting off with March to the Arch, backing up with the two and the three in race eight, playing those into my strong fancy of uh, of the three runner in race nine, and then also kicking things off. We'll see what you know the doubles pay and make sure we're not uh, getting the worst of it or anything, but I also see playing some some three, starting in race nine, doing a little bit of a three-eight double makes a lot of sense to me as well. Those latter races, I'll probably more play by ear, but I I, I see most of my money going into rolling doubles with, the, with those three stakes and might as well concoct a, a pick three connecting them as well and see if we can't hit it out of the park with uh, if, if I can get the top picks in and all three. I'm feeling I'm feeling a little froggy today, Drew, ready to jump into something here because yesterday was a, and those who read the analysis over at the races.com or listen to the pods we were all over that pick six at saratoga so that was uh that was that was very very good and hoping to keep that momentum going here today at woodbine of course going to be playing a little bit of saratoga as well there's plenty of time between races on queen's plate day but been really a thrill covering um woodbine so much this week and being able to come at this card and these races so many different ways starting off with our jim lawson appearance early in the week getting to have jeff on as you said um it's been uh, covering it with matt who's going to be on tv up there today really really fun always a pleasure working with our friends at woodbine any closing thoughts from you before we let you uh get packed up and out of there no i I learned a a three-step program that might help you uh it's it starts with water 
Step two is food. And then step three is Bloody Mary. So there you go. That's that's my sage wisdom for you to get back on the horse today. Oh my goodness. It's not gonna work out, my man. I've got to, I'm on TV and like these cards start so early. I'm on TV in like two hours. I think I'm gonna go back to bed, drink some water, and that's about it. But, there you go. Uh, Take an ibuprofen in between. <laughs> it was a ma- I was telling you off air, a magic Saratoga night. We got a lovely a party invite was hanging with Clay Sanders of 10 Strike Racing and character on the show, well known from back in the day, the ice cream man. And the evening culminated, you know, what, what, won lots of money and went to a fantastic party. And the evening ends around the, the kitchen table where I sit now, again, actually recording this morning, the kitchen table of the little house on the east side, polishing off a bottle of whiskey. So, yeah, the, the, the heads felt better this meet. Let's put it that way. <laughs> You've got time to recover. Let's, let's put some winning <laughs> tickets in. Fortunately, I had done the work for Woodbine before all of that and was just going back this morning to button it up. I wouldn't trust any new thoughts that came into my brain today necessarily, but it's going to be great. We're looking forward to it. You Any any chance you'll be able to send out some tweets or, or do anything like that uh, throughout the course of the card? We'll see. I think it's going to be family-oriented afternoon, uh, getting back Thanks, to the Kevin. family today, but we'll, we'll see if I can't sneak out a few thoughts. Yeah, and, and I'll do the same, you know, especially if there's course condition stuff or if these races do end up coming off. I think we, we owe it to the people um, to, to put up a few thoughts yep. about, about what we'll you and I can be in touch and I can help you out in that uh, in that regard, too, if that's if that's any easier. But we'll get it all figured out. We'll be back with more coverage of Woodbine next week. One of the first sponsors we ever had here on the In The Money Media Network and thrilled to uh, keep that relationship rock and rolling. Pay attention to the simulcast feed. I know uh, they, they are going to be some guaranteed pools and some special other stuff happen. I don't have all the initiatives, but to to learn more about it, woodbine.com or tune into Jeff on the simulcast feed. And it sounds like Matt's going to pop over on the simul feed at some point today as well, if he gets an opportunity to do that. So lots of great coverage still to come. We thank our friends at Woodbine one more time. We thank you, Drew Coatney, one more time. Uh, Most of all, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. We had a lot of positive feedback this week about our Alabama Day coverage. And, you know, we're going to keep it rocking throughout the Saratoga meet and beyond. Um, Potentially big news coming from the In the Money Media Network and and even more coverage coming when uh, if if a few tumblers click in the right direction. And, again, it's all because of the, the people out there who make it so fun to do and we appreciate when you come and say hi at the track. Um, we, we really had a great time yesterday over there on Alabama day. And it was nice seeing so many of you who turned up at the Brentwood and, or just said hello at the track. Speaking of Brentwood, I'll do, I will put in a quick plug for this crazy show we're doing on Thursday. Wish you could be there, Drew, to be part of our first ever live monster pod. I think what I'm going to do, I don't think I told you this yet. Yeah. I think what I'm going to do is, Make it random. I'm going to have, let's say there's nine horses in the Travers. I'm going to have nine slips with a horse name in the, in a in a hat, and I'm going to have nine, another hat that has the nine guests, and I'm just going to draw, and it's going to be like Marshall Graham on Epicenter, and he's going to will come up and do five minutes, and it's going to be an absolute fire drill, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be streaming that. We'll make a podcast version too. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be one of the highlights of our Travers Week coverage. Hopefully going to get Steve Christ and JK if we can get schedules aligned for the late week show. And then we're going to do a version of our pro player roundtable. It's going to be sort of like a hybrid of our final answers and a pro player roundtable with Sean Borman and Paul Matisse live from Saratoga. It's it's going to be instead of live at the Farrier Bar on Saturday, it's going to be live near the Farrier Bar because we'll be set up in Saratoga with uh, two of my favorites and two of the most popular guests we ever have here. So should be a lot of fun. That's going to do it. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is that guy right there, Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kitchen. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. 
May you win all your Queen's Plate Day photos.